0: Very special guest here today. Um, I don't know if we've ever had this many people in the giant literary disco studios ever Never. before. Never. Um, this is the first. So we decided that we are going to read uh, *Columbine* again because I don't know if any of you guys have heard. Lately, guns and school shootings have been in the news lately. <sighs>
1: yeah. Oh
0: God. So. The one thing, listeners, that Ryder and Julia and I don't have is a ton of high school friends. Speak for
2: yourself, okay? I run a comedy theater. I know lots of high schoolers. Uh,
0: Ryder is actually forbidden from being within a thousand people. true. Minutes. Not true. <laughs> um, so what we did is I reached out to my good friend Rob Bowman, uh, who teaches English at La Quinta High School here in the greater Coachella Valley where I live, and asked him if he had some students who would be willing to read Columbine by Dave Cullen and uh, talk to us about the book and about um, what it's like to be a high school student right now in this era of school shootings and violence, um, because it's, it's a pretty far distance away from the three of us, what we experienced as students. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has provided us with three awesome students. We have, if you're listening, this is to my right, uh, we have Aiden, hi Aiden. Hello. We have next to Aiden Renaissance. Hi Renaissance. Hello. And next to Renaissance, we have Jada. Hi Jada. Hi. And they are here to talk about all things high school. Number one, let's <laughs> talk about the clips. <laughs> I hate, who's it? I hate who's the out? jocks.
2: Actually, who's in, who's I would love to know how old everybody is and like one fun fact about you. At what grade? We have what, not yes. met or talked before this. So maybe like a book you not. love or anything like that. How about you, Aiden?
3: Um, my name is Aiden Barlow. I'm 17 years old, and um, I enjoy the Harry Potter
0: books and everything about that. Okay, are you are you uh, a Dursley? Are you a uh, are you a Harry? I don't really know the characters that well. I read I... two of the books and then I saw all the movies. Mm. I know enough to mock it. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm. Am, I'm. Am, I'd, I'd like to
3: think I'm far from a Dursley. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I would like to think I'm a, ha- I'm a Harry, but I would probably be... I haven't given this much thought. So. <laughs> Just
2: at least a, a rep- least a Gryffindor. At least a Gryffindor. Are you repping Slytherin?
3: I would, I, would, I would for sure be a
0: Gryffindor. Okay. Great. All right. Renaissance, tell us all about you.
4: Uh, well, I'm 17 years old, And I like to consider myself a Francophile and an Anglophile. And recently, I found out that I'm 18% British, because I took a DNA test. Oh, oh, I did that recently. Yeah, yeah. and I didn't know. It goes uh, Cameroon slash Congo, and Mm -hmm. then Great Britain. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Huh.
0: My my wife just got back her 23andMe on her mom and her grandfather, which she did surreptitiously, uh, because they both always are claiming, like, vast Native American backgrounds. None. Not, zero. Uh, nothing. N- not a thing. Not a
5: thing.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, she, Wendy knew, like, because Wendy had done it, but they hadn't, and, like, her grandfather was like, Well, I got some Navajo in No. Nothing. <laughs> She's, like, just, like, as white as white has uh, ever uh, been. i with that. Uh, I, I told, well, yeah, we'll talk okay. about this later. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, what do you like to read, Renaissance?
4: Um, I like to read, right now we're reading Magical Realism in class and we're reading Ficciones and I've been like reading a lot of those outside of class, I think Magical Realism is really interesting. It is so cool. Oh my god. The best. Mm-hmm. I wish
0: I was in high school now. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Bowman's the best, is, is Mr. Bowman your teacher?
4: No, I had him last year. <laughs> oh. Yeah.
0: yeah. You seem to have done fine though. i, I like to think so. <laughs> Alright, Jada?
6: Hi, I'm Jada. I'm a sophomore and I'm 15. And my like hobbies, I guess, consist of like dance team and track team. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Wow. So you're an athlete. Yeah. You move.
6: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That was>
0: the- <laughs> so you, So you're not the person sitting on the playground reading quietly by yourself? No. Is that a thing? Is there no. a playground? No. No, because no? no. you're in high school. school. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. gosh The correct question
6: wow. is: is the
2: library. Do you fake getting your period to get out of gym class?
0: Oh wow. <laughs> Me no, too. The question I've ever. I do. Right wow. Here. Aiden, that's a little something to think about. Fake <laughs> like getting your period to get I out of gym them. class.
4: Freshman year, running the mile in 110 degree heat. Oh. Didn't oh, yeah. yep. On that particular day. So. That's,
0: yeah, that sounds horrible. Yeah. Um, well, I got awkward fast, <laughs> and so I want to thank Julia for, uh, for that. So um, I have a couple questions, and then we'll, we'll get into the book pretty quickly. Um, but how much did you guys know about Columbine before you read the book? Or was it like something that happened in World War II? Is it, because it's, it happened long before your birth. Um, so it happened in 1999, and so all of you were born in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aiden, how much, how much did you know? Uh, I didn't
3: know much about them. I only knew Eric's name. That's that's to be. That's that's all mm-hmm. I knew about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay.
3: Renaissance. What did
0: you know?
4: Um, basically same thing. I'd known that it had happened before I was born. I was born in '01, so it happened two years before I was born. And I knew that like as um when Sandy Hook happened, mm-hmm. that was like the first school shooting that I really heard about. And experienced like through news, it referenced back to Columbine. And so that's when I first heard about it. And
6: that's all I knew is that it was a sh- school mm-hmm. shooting.
0: Okay. Wow. Okay. What about you, Jada?
6: Yeah. Agreeing with Renaissance, I had only heard of it a few times. And Sandy Hook was probably like the biggest one for me that I actually was like, oh, this is a serious issue and it's really big. Mm-hmm. But, um, Recently, over like the past year, when the smaller school shootings have been happening, I've had a lot of people who I've like talked to about them s- compare it to Columbine often, and say, "Well, oh, it's n- not as bad as Columbine." Mm, yeah. and, Kind of, like, downgraded. Like,
4: if if there is a scale, I guess, like, Columbine is, like, the worst thing. Or, Mm -hmm. like, up there with, like, Sandy Hook and Columbine are, like, the worst things that can happen. And then as they keep on coming in, it's like, well, will we have another Columbine
2: Mm. or
1: something like that.
2: And I think the three of us, too, should say kind of our touch point of the old people touch point of (laughs) where were you and how old were you? Because I need to say during this podcast, I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school when this happened.
1: In oh, right. a, I forget. Your yeah,
2: and high school is very similar to this. So it was a huge part of my high school experience in a, in a certain way. And then in another way, it was like, oh, that'll never happen here, even though that was the entire <laughs> point of Combine is mm-hmm. that it could happen anywhere. Um, right. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's it's still such a raw experience for me. I don't think there will ever be another touch point as huge as this one for me.
5: Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I was in my first year of college. So I was in my freshman year and I remember just all day just freaking out everybody calling everybody else. And, um, yeah, I mean, for me reading this book also brings rereading this book cause it's been a couple years, but it's also, it's my, my teenage, my adolescence very much mirrored, you know, in terms of like the cultural references, the music that they were listening to the movies that they were watching you know when they're talking about tarantino films and all that stuff it's like oh yeah this they had the same reference points that that i did growing up um you know we were clearly of the same generation and so and this was devastating to me
0: and i was i was older i mean i was 28 mm-hmm. when it happened and i i was living in las vegas at the time and i remember um turning on the tv and watching it all unfold on cnn or msnbc or whatever it was um and being stunned, of course, um, but also, you know, there was there had been this thing um, a few years earlier, and I don't know if either of you two remember this, this about um, two college-aged boys um, who went to Las Vegas, abducted a little girl, and murdered her in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one boy narked out, or not narked out, snitched out the other one, because it was the right thing to do, his friend had murdered a little girl. Um, snitched out his friend and they ended up going, both of them, one of them went to prison and one of them went to Berkeley Mm, No. Um, and this, that had been sort of a a big formative thing in my mind, like those two were were my age and it was a horrifying Mm -hmm. thing that happened but then this happened and it seemed like um, a level of evil that I was not familiar with and you know I spent a lot of time thinking about bad stuff and writing about bad stuff and even then I was writing you know dark, sad messed up stories um, but this was something I couldn't even comprehend at the time and so I, I followed it extraordinarily ardently at the time um, watched all the news you know watched the documentaries and everything and thought I knew one thing and then of course things ended up being something else um, so one, one other quick questions for, for the three of you um, is what role if any do um, do guns play in your lives do you have guns in your home? Your family have guns. Up. Do any of you shoot? No. I'd have to say that I'm very against guns, and mm-hmm. my
3: parents are very against guns as well. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that they have touched guns before. That's mm-hmm. okay. To the extent yeah.
0: Renaissance?
4: Um, guns play a significant role in my life, not personally, but like I'm black, I'm a woman. I'm bisexual, I'm a student. So those are four things right off the bat at any given moment that put me in danger of my life being ended through gun violence. So as I've gotten older and I followed the news and especially as like culture has changed at the same time that I'm coming of age, it has been very influential in my life. We don't have guns in the homes. My parents as adult are against guns. Mm-hmm. My mom is from Montana, so like she has hunted before. Right. But, like, never in her adult life, she didn't really like it. That's just the culture she was raised in. So, for me, growing up, it's always been, like, you don't need guns. They're just not a a vital part of society. So, but they have a strong influence in my Mm -hmm. life.
0: And what about you, Jaden?
6: The closest I'd say, like, my home comes to guns is with video games. Like, a lot of us play, like, certain video games in my house for fun. But, like, any real guns or, like talk of guns isn't really often and stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. Hmm. Um, At school, uh, and so this is an important thing, so where we all live here in the Coachella Valley, it's not as Mm -hmm. though violence and gangs and things like that are outside the realm of what we know about, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're all aware, I presume, of the huge amount of gang violence that exists, particularly in the East Valley, so Indio, Coachella, um, that direction, then also in the north side of Palm Springs there's a ton of gang violence. Um so the four of us live in this paradise, right? Where uh-huh. everyone comes to visit. Everyone was just here for Coachella. They're going to be here this coming weekend for Stagecoach. Those people have guns. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What is Stagecoach? Is that like, like a country yeah.
5: music version of Coachella? Yeah, yeah. Stage, yeah. Stagecoach
0: yeah. is the country western Coachella. Uh, a lot Coachella. of guns and flags. A lot of guns a lot of Confederate oh, flags, yes. right. A lot of barbecue. Um but not said so there's this this whole idea that we live in this paradise where people come to visit. But of course, we live here. So we know mm-hmm. what the reality of the situation is, is that any one of your classmates mm-hmm. could have access to as many guns mm-hmm. as they wanted. Um, and if they didn't own them legally, could get them illegally if they knew the right guy. Right. Um, does that enter your thinking? Is this a, a clear and present fear that you guys have in school on a daily basis?
3: I wouldn't say it's daily fear for me, but I do fear it. Mm. I think I think about it at least maybe five times a week. Oh wow! Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Okay. What about you, Jada? How often does it into your mind?
6: Yeah, I'd say before I read the book, it was probably like once a week, and then after I read the book. Oh great! I, <laughs> we've helped traumatize yeah. you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Jada.
6: Like I don't know. I'll just be sitting and think like maybe the person next to me like needs someone to talk to right mm-hmm. now and like mm-hmm. no one is reaching out to right. them but like then again there's just like I don't know it's scary to approach other people at school too just because mm-hmm. like the fear of rejection and I know that's really lame but like it exists mm-hmm. and just after the book I'd say I think about it probably twice a day <laughs> like, it scar- <laughs> oh, scares me really bad we, We've done when did you finish the book uh, I didn't finish it completely, but I got close probably, like, yes, Sure. You know how so, it my point yeah. is just yeah. that it's super yeah.
2: fresh, and of oh,
6: course, yeah, I think...
0: Subside. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, For you, Renaissance?
4: Um, I think about guns at school often, because we do have, like, certain kids at our school, like, it definitely shows the full spectrum of, I think, of our society right now. At our school, we have a very diverse school, which includes things that I agree with and things that I don't. Mm -hmm. And so I do know that there are kids with access to guns on campus who may not agree with certain kids at our school. Right. And that it can happen at any moment. I mean, like was said before, Columbine shows that it can happen anywhere. So I can't be naive to think that it can't happen at my school.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So that's horrifying. Uh, (laughs) Well, let's get into uh, the book. And, um, and, and hear about what what your thoughts are um for me just just reading this again so I read it when it first came out actually I remember receiving the book in the mail and opening it up and I received a review copy and thinking well I'm not going to read this like I know what happened to Columbine I don't need to read this and then cut to nine hours later still sitting in the same chair that I was sitting in when I got the book and I had read it almost the entire way through and to find out in reading this book that all these things that we, the three of us, had been taught um, about Columbine were not true. So this prevailing idea that these had been super bullied kids, that they were part of the trench coat mafia, all of these things that we thought we knew that were the, the rumors and the innuendos that came out in the news initially, that all of them had been disproven by Dave Collin and, and through the, the research of the book, was shocking. Um, and it revealed a lot about the way the media portrayed these things versus what the actual facts were going back and reading it again i i was reminded of all the echoes of all these other shootings about what we're told at first and then what what ends up being true afterwards is often significantly different mm-hmm. that was the big thing that that i was reminded of again what about for you guys writer and julia
2: as we get into it i just want to describe for our listeners because i agree this isn't a book that i would you got to really be in the mood to crack this over <laughs> um <laughs> but what really struck me is the reporting is so incredible in this in this work. So, you know, just to zoom back a little, Dave Cullen was on the scene of Columbine at the time. He did some reporting. And then I, Todd, you would know better than I do, but I think sort of realized there was much more and that things had been gotten yeah. wrong. And he spent like a decade meticulously researching, talking to every person. And it really comes out of the page. I mean, it's so rare to find a work of nonfiction where you're just like, I 100% trust and feel that every single one of these details was verified uh, by multiple people. So it's first and foremost, just an incredible read because it makes no assumptions. It's like, you know, Coach Sanders you know ate this for breakfast he argued with his wife about who was driving they forgot to kiss they blew a kiss goodbye i mean the the level of detail is absolutely stunning so it was really a great reread for that reason um emotionally speaking i mean this book is just in a different place even than when it came out you know the Mm There have been so many more incidents, both in schools and outside of schools, and so many more people committing violence that we're trying to understand that any any clue, any well-researched clue of past events of why people would commit these kind of crimes is, it's great. Because I feel like when something like the Pulse Nightclub happens or the Vegas shooting happens or, I mean, there's so many examples, there's not a lot of time to catch your breath and go deep. So to start to give it a historical perspective and look back at things like Columbine feels really, like, healthy and good instead of just hanging out waiting for the next thing to happen in 2018.
0: Right. Yeah, it's true. what about you, Ryder?
5: Yeah, I mean, I I, I rereading the book, I was able to... I remembered that the best part of this book for me was just that—that that there's not one—that that 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 Columbine is sort of this horrific, violent act with a vacuum at, at its center, right? That because the two the two kids are dead, and and so so much of the media and so much of like our relationships to even just the word Columbine, but certainly the event is like an attempt to try and narrativize it to create a story out of it. And I feel like a lot of this book is about undoing those stories and sort of peeling them back. And, um, and so I was reading it this time and trying to think, well, how can I, how can I take this and, and, and help frame how I think about the shootings that are going on now and and a contemporary shooting and that I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you guys think about this because I found it kind of difficult because this book is, is, is very well written, but it also feels very specific. And especially when it gets into like the psychopathy of, of Eric and um, you know, I, I just started, I just started wondering and I'm, you know, I feel like a lot of our discussion today is, is going to be about like, well, how, how much do school shootings have in common with each other? And And, um, you know, how, how should we think of them? Should we even categorize them as like a thing that, um, you know, it's, it, it seems more like every, you know, they're, they're all so different and they're all coming from a different motivation, it seems like. And, um, so I don't know, I was really sort of torn about how to think about that. I'm still kind of working through it, but that struck me the the first time it was much more of like, Oh, let me think about this book as about this isolated event. And this time I was really trying to compare it to the pattern I guess or to see if there is a pattern is there a pattern is there a way you know beyond obvious gun control yay um what else is there that we can take away from this book that we can how we can think about
0: these events moving forward or 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 preventing these events um what about for you guys this is your first time reading tell us tell us what your big thoughts were we'll we'll start with Jada (laughs) Jada's Um. almost done (laughs) so yeah This, this is the great thing by the way no matter what, you can't separate a high school student out from being a high school student. Jada's is almost done, even though we're <laughs> recording right now. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> so,
6: for the book, comparing it to, like, what's going on right now, um, when we were, we were talking about it earlier in Bowman's class before we left, and we were talking mm-hmm. about Dylan, and how he was a lot easier to relate to mm-hmm. compared to Eric, mm-hmm. because... When I first read, like, his part about how they were talking about how he was thinking and stuff, I could, not the serious, like, killing part and violence part, but the parts where he just felt like there was, like, no one there who understood him, Mm -hmm. that's very relatable, and I honestly don't know what we could do to make the kids who... Feel that way better because they don't want to talk to anyone else and I have felt that way sometimes like where there's like no one there to talk to and I don't know who I'm supposed to turn to when I'm the only one who like understands my thoughts right so as soon as he started thinking like there's no one like I don't know who to go to is when he starts like that's a breaking point like you can either go and you can find someone who actually like there are people who will understand you or you can just like turn down which is obviously what Dylan did in this mm.
0: situation. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, th- I mean, this is the, the curse of being a teenager is that you guys all live in the present tense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, y- you don't have that much of history to remember mm. and it's hard to imagine the future. Mm. And so you always are feeling like this is the most important thing. Like, who I love now is whos is al- who, who I'm always going to love. Who hates me now is who's always going to hate me. The thing I feel now is permanent. Um, and then hopefully, like, you read a book like this and you can see... And Dylan's side, you're like, oh, my God, this this love-loss dude is just gravitating to the one person who gives him attention. Yeah. And he gravitated to the wrong guy, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and he gave him the wrong kind of attention. And it's, it's heartbreaking because it's exactly what you're saying, Jill. Like, you can empathize with that. It's hard to empathize with Eric Harris mm-hmm. because, presumably, you haven't had – uh, maniacal homicidal fantasies your entire life, yeah. presumably. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and then on the flip side, just because I was dwelling on this detail, and then I'd love to hear what you two think. Uh, you know, there I was just so fascinated by the fact that they were a group of three, and this kid Zach like got a girlfriend, and like whoop yeah. whoop, like
1: yep.
2: <laughs> like totally different life. Um, right. And it, it does. It feels, like, random or fate or whatever you want to call it, but it is it is very unsettling to feel like, you know, we don't really have total control over what happens to us. Right. Uh, Renaissance and what did you guys feel reading the book?
4: I guess I thought, well, it's it was odd because I'm literally the same age as them. I'm the same age as the kids who had classes with them, who parked next to them, who seen them, and I just... It felt like they were, like, at the same time, we were so close and so far apart. Like, I just could not uh, even comprehend knowing someone, seeing mm-hmm. them every single day, five days a week, and then seeing them also commit something so horrible is just incomprehensible. Right. And Thank it God. showed, yeah. <laughs> and it showed me how, um, kind of like what Jada said, how there is that breaking point in high school, and that even though high school is four years and we are kind of um, like pigeonholed, I guess, like we have a very narrow view of what our life is at that time, it does really is a breaking point. It's a left or right turn that you're making constantly in high school that kind of determines the outcome. And sadly, some of those decisions are made by us and sometimes they're not. And it Uh showed me how even though sometimes like high school students can be very immature, what big decisions we're making at the same time.
1: Hmm.
0: When, when, um, when you realize that Eric has conned the people that are supposed to be keeping everyone safe, basically, mm-hmm. that essentially he was able to get over on the psychiatrists and the counselors and the teachers, all that stuff, that the safeguards were put in place for him and he recognized they were safeguards mm-hmm. and conned them. Yeah. Um, do you go to school with people you think are capable of that?
4: I mean, I like to think that no one is capable of that, so I like to think that no one at my school is capable of that. But, I mean, like we said is. before, yeah. like Columbine said, it's <laughs> supposed to show that this can happen literally everywhere. Mm. So as much as I like to think that it's 100% impossible, it might be 99 or, <laughs> or lower.
0: 82. Yeah. 64. So, <laughs> so,
4: I mean, I have hopes, but I know that they right. can't be fully
0: true and I mean we'll talk about this a little bit with uh, with with Rob with Rob Bowman the teacher um, when it's up to him but you know there's a there's this question too like okay how much attention are these people giving these troubled kids um, they are giving them the attention that they are mandated to give and then they go home and they still have their own lives too you know um, and so it's I think it's difficult to place blame on things and we'll, we can talk about the parents at some point too Um but, like, they, these people did their jobs. They didn't fail at mm-hmm. their jobs. They mm-hmm. were superseded by a criminal mastermind, basically, which is a little horrifying.
2: So, Aiden, what was your experience reading the book?
3: I read the book in... May. Uh, I read a big chunk of the book in one sitting, mm. which... Uh, and, and that includes the shooting itself. So, I... Afterwards, I was like wide-eyed sort of down in the dumps for a good hour or two um it was I I loved the book it was I, I really enjoyed having such a thoroughly fact-checked and um honest book mm. something that didn't lie to me mm-hmm. um why? Why did you believe it was all true? What he said? Because of h- how he said that he had extent the the extent that he had gone to, um, to check everything. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. it, I'm sure it said over twenty five thousand
0: pages or yeah, there's a ton, and then it, there's yeah. all the footnotes in the mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, he was there. Right. Right. I mean,
5: he talks. He was there on the day after, and he was part of the first press pool. But
0: this is also sort of like um, when we think about the media today. And Dave Cullen, whenever there's a shooting, um, he's on the news. You know, they bring him out, and he's always on MSNBC talking to Rachel Maddow or something. But you know, this is the fascinating thing: is that you can't make these judgments on things based on one day's events. Like, even if you see it, you don't have all the facts. And so 10 years of research goes into figuring out all the different angles. And it turns out, like, that's the amount of time you need. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I think is, we, and I'm I'm sure for the three of you this is true, like, we are used to quick consumption facts. Like, how did it happen? What's the motive? Why did it happen? And so, like, even with the Vegas shooting, they keep asking, like, what was the motive to do this? What? Like, there's always, they want something larger other than, well... He wanted to kill as many people as he possibly could, and so then he did. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we we want that other narrative around it. And so for Eric Harris, that other narrative is not quite as satisfying, right? Like, he was a crazy person who wanted to kill. Dylan Klebold is more interesting, because it turns out he's a more complex, empathetic human being, um, which is fascinating for me. Um, OK, so for the three of you, when you were reading the book, um, I I remember knowing a lot of the the players in the story, but you guys didn't know each person who was going to die um, as you were reading it. Um, Tell us about the experience of getting to know these people in the book and then watching them die. Or Or killed. (laughs) Yeah. It
3: it was more of a heartbreak than reading a novel and having your favorite character die. It Mm -hmm. was it, which was an experience for me because I, I had never experienced
0: that before. Um, it was heartbreaking. Like with the coach was, uh, Sanders, or Saunders. Did you know that he was going to die? I didn't. I didn't know. I, I well, I assumed he would mm-hmm. because
3: there was, because he was, the way he, they talked about him. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Know.
0: But in the past tense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what about for you Renaissance?
4: I have to admit, I couldn't wait. Like, as it's happening, I, I looked up
1: Google. I looked up ah, this, No, which a, a I know buddy probably. Julia. Yes,
4: because I am, like, I am, like, a fangirl. I take character deaths very, like, seriously. Like, I feel them quite right. viscerally. Right. And I know that, it's, knowing that these were real people, and especially when it happened to, um, Casey Bernal, mm-hmm. and her mother was hoping so bad. I knew that if I found out when her mother found out, or whenever they are going to tell us, that she had in fact died, I, it, it would have turned me, like I just wouldn't be able to keep going. Mm-hmm. And right. and so I looked up so that I could at least, like I, st- I still felt it, right. but I at least had that right. primer like set, so that I could like keep pushing <laughs> through and right. keep reading, because mm-hmm. it's just... Yeah.
0: It's a lot. And
4: <laughs> it's, that's me I'm right. I'm a 17 year old girl in high school right now I just yeah I <laughs> couldn't
0: what about for you Jada
6: okay so I didn't know any of the people were going to die and I got well, this book <laughs> you no, you think more, think no no, 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 no <laughs> that's so bad didn't I didn't know, know who me. was gonna die I'm sorry I'm <laughs> sorry <laughs> I am sorry They know who was gonna die but I got the book of <laughs> I got the book a few weeks ago and I went to a conference down in I don't know Southern California somewhere and it was for ASB and we were there and one of the main speakers was Craig Scott which was Rachel's brother yeah and so I'd read the book probably like the just like the first few chapters and I hadn't gotten to any of the shootings yet and then I heard his story and it really like made things real of how like insanely huge this was and like how real it was for him like hearing his perspective was really interesting And as soon as I went home, I read, like, the next chapter, and it was Rachel's chapter. Oh, man. And I just, like, sat there and cried. Like, it was really, really sad, especially, like, connecting the two. Like, I got to meet that guy and talk to him, and that was his sister. And thinking that that could have been – like, that could be my sister in the next shooting, and I honestly don't know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it could. I don't know what I would do at that point. And to think that they've turned her – like, she wrote an essay about how she wanted to be, like – the most kind person in the world and like just continue to love each other and stuff like that to think that they've turned it so positive and made it like rachel's journey is really like nice mm-hmm. instead of hearing like oh he just spiraled down he committed suicide like something bad like mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. i like what they've right. done with with that
2: it is amazing how you know well, Columbine, one thing that I think is does relate to so many other things happening now, but that the culture is starting to fight against, is we always think of the killers. You know, like, I don't know any peers who couldn't name Dylan and Eric, but I also don't know any peers who could, by name, name some of the victims. So, right. but that's changing, I think. Uh, Sandy Hook is, I live in Connecticut, so that was very near close to me geographically and a lot of people do know the kids names and their parents are really out there doing exactly what you're describing Jada um so it is fascinating to hear that 20 years almost 20 years after this is happening that there are siblings or kids in the school who have just taken this and it's become a part of their life and tried to turn it into something positive but at the same time how must it feel that this keeps happening right you know it must be a relentless tr-
0: triggering.
5: Absolutely disappointing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you two both have small children. I mean, Ryder, your son mm-hmm. is, uh, is is you know a toddler, and you have an infant baby. So these this is your future that you're looking at. Um,
5: well, I know that was
0: another interesting thing about rereading this book
5: now as a parent is I I was really fascinated about you know on the chapters that were, that focus on Eric's parents and Dylan's parents because. Man, for all intents and purposes, you know, they were great parents. Like, they provided such good lives for these kids. And these are privileged white kids in an amazing community. And, like, when they had problems, when they got arrested, the interventions that were in place actually intervened for the most part. I mean, there's obviously the missed, the very, like, the very serious missed opportunities when Eric was bullying or threatening that one kid and... And that didn't get, did the file never got or the report never got filed and et cetera et cetera. But for the most part, I I kept wondering how do you see these signs as a parent, you know, and and what do you do? Um, and you know their absence from this book too, for you know their voices intentionally because they've been so quiet, um, uh, really struck me this time rereading. I couldn't help but thinking about like how do you do this? How do you raise kids? in a world where they can get guns and you know, where they can be just be blowing crap up in your yard. It's, it's so
2: terrible. Ryder, let me ask you a really serious question. Did yeah. you think about this when deciding to have kids? Because I, Greg and I talked about mm. this so much. What if wow. no. we were, when, when we went through like a really long time of deciding whether or not to have a baby. And uh-huh. part of the calculation is like, well, what if they grow up and hurt somebody? And we talked about that. So much. Um, I think, at least for me and, like, my life, I mean, my life, my world, you know, like, I do think often about, you know, public shootings. And it's just, like, part of the risk, which I hate to say, but it's saying, like, we're going to do everything we can, you know, and hopefully there's a million more great kids or people out there than...
0: We got three at least. Yeah, <laughs>
2: but I don't know. I I considered it really seriously. Like, if you don't have a kid, they won't hurt somebody, right? You know.
5: Well, oh, God. Well, here, let me just give you. Let me give you condescending parenting advice right <laughs> now. You gotta you gotta let go of that because when your daughter is a toddler, they act like psychopaths. <laughs> I like, know it's practice. You you were yes. You look at your like I look at my son at like two years old and he's like staring me in the face and just. Bam, punches me. Like, Don't do that. Why would you ever do that? You know that it hurts. What? Boom. He does it again. It's like ah, it's <laughs> maddening. And then you start going down the spiral where you're like lying in bed at night, you know, talking to your spouse, like, what did we do wrong? He's a total psychopath. And then like the next day, he's like crying and hugging and being the sweetest. You know, yeah. You never know. But everybody, every parent I know has the the moment, especially in today's world, where they're like. Am I raising a, a yeah? Toy? It's like, yeah, <laughs> like it's it's a real question you're going to ask yeah, yourself. So. Well, there's that get ready
0: great, and you're not. There's that great book by uh, Lionel Shriver. Um, we need to talk about Kevin, um, yeah. which is about Just made it to a yeah, movie, which right? made into a, a very good movie. Um, where ra- they the kid grows up to be a psychopath, and it's you know the the parents realize it very early on that their child is is a bad seed. So he, yeah. how how involved would you say uh, for the three of you? Um, Knowing that your parents will probably listen to this, do your parents know you're doing this? I should probably ask. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, how how much do you think your parents know about your life outside of the home?
3: I they they actively ask me what I do outside of the home, and I tell them to the extent of what I do. I I I tell them everything that I can because I have a close relationship with my father and my mother. Mm-hmm. Um. My dad, I'd say, talks to me more than my mom does about what I do and stuff like that. But I do, I do keep secrets from them, mm-hmm. and, and I, I'm sure everybody
0: does. But yeah, of yes. course. I yeah. Mean- I, I kept secrets from my parents until the day they both died. <laughs> you know, there's some things that my mom does not did not need to know. Well,
5: but this is such an interesting thing because at the age of 17, I mean, you know, carving out privacy for right. yourself is like mm-hmm. such an important part of adolescence. And it's just that tricky thing because when you're 17, like legally, it's, you know, you're still... Kind of your parents' property, right. <laughs> you know. It's like, and you kind of have you have to tell them. Right. Au- you have to be on. Au- but yeah, no, certainly. Like carving out privacy is such an important part of. Yeah, the, and even if that privacy is yourself, even
0: if that privacy is just what happens in your head, even if it's not about things that you're right. doing, but it's just you know your thoughts and fears. Some of that stuff you don't want to share. Not everything has to be shared, I'm sure. Uh, what about you, Renaissance? What what role do your parents play?
4: Uh, I'm very close with my parents. My mother, particular, but. I'm an only child, so it's the three of us most of the time. Well, and my dog, who's very much a part of the family. Let's learn
0: more about the dog. And then
4: I'll show you photos
0: of my dog. (laughs) I have a a puppy named Rube Goldberg. No, we're not going down this path. (laughs) I already have the phone open.
1: Um,
4: But I'm I'm extremely close, and I'm a bit of like... I'm a highly academic person. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a nerd, basically. And so there's little places that I go that's not home or school. And so they know where I am almost all the time. And basically and all of the time. Now,
0: of course, parents can track you on your phone. Mine? Just, yeah, yeah, yours specifically. Yeah. Um, like, they always know exactly where the, you are if they want to know. Yeah. Like, that technology exists.
4: And I have a very Mexican mother, so <laughs> you will know where I am at all times.
0: That's also a great title for a memoir. <laughs> if you ever read a memoir, A Very Mexican Mother is a good title. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he, here's a weird thing that we should talk about just briefly is that Jada's mom and I went to high school together, Um, and I remember Jada's mom um, not being tracked 24 hours a day (laughs) by her parents. Uh (laughs) So I'm curious to the level of of the attention my friend Julie puts on her lovely daughter, Jada.
6: Yeah. um, (laughs) My mom has me tracked on two different apps on my phone, (laughs) and then if I turn off the tracker, it notifies her And she will go and call me and not let me, like, hang up on the phone until I answer. And making sure that I am not doing something bad and she wants me to turn the tracker on or else she'll come and pick me up. (laughs) It's just, yeah. my My dad's more relaxed about it, but my mom (laughs) is much more on my case. And I'll constantly refer back to, like, oh, when you were in high school, did your mom let you go? And we're like crop tops and, like, wear, like, all this cute stuff and go out to parties and stuff. She's like, you need to be home by 9 and you have to cover yourself completely. Like, it's <laughs> the complete opposite. But when it comes to my parents being involved with, like, my life, um, for friends, all my friends and my little sister's friends come over to my house. Like, dinner's at my house for, like, when we invite them over. And my parents are constantly asking not just me and my sister but our friends about what's going on with their lives and, like, how they're doing, how are their parents and um most of the most of my friends when they have like troubles at home they'll go and say can i call your mom like mm-hmm. can i text your mom or like can i my dad's a therapist so like he'll sit down and have like these long conversations at like birthday parties and stuff <laughs> with my friends Awkward. sounds but, fun but, super awkward. No, but like they, my friends will come over to my house just tell me about day. your dreams <laughs> yeah.
0: Did your, dad, <laughs> yeah. did your dad charge him 30 bucks a pop? No, he'll that, just let, talk. Me, uh, let me run that card real fast. For, like, good kids.
6: <laughs> yeah, so they'll just, just talk, and moment. they'll, they'll want to, like, come over to my house just to talk to my parents, and I'll just be sitting there, and they'll be, like, talking about their problems. But when it comes That's to awesome. my friends' parents, or a lot of my friends' parents, A lot of them don't know where they are. We'll we'll say, oh, does your mom know, like, this person is driving you there? They'll say, no, I'm just getting there. Or, like, no, they don't even know I'm here right now. Mm -hmm. And the parents don't really keep in touch with my parents when they're at my house, which, I don't know. I I guess it's just different. (laughs) What do you (laughs) think, though? I... I feel like if i had a kid i'd want to know where they are not to the extent of tracking them on two different apps but i just want to make sure that they're safe not right not like wandering about and i feel like a lot of friends and like friends of friends have parents who are just like as long as my kid's alive as long as they text me once a day then i'm okay with where they are and stuff. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. so i feel like you know this is so fascinating and you know i've I've read slate pieces that this is a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Well,
0: let me, I'll wake the kids when you're done talking to me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I, um, it, what you guys are saying is so fascinating because I think the idea that, like, parents are anxious about their kids' safety is, of course, as old as time. But the idea that you guys are, like, okay with it and even into it is such a huge cultural shift that it's almost unfathomable to me. Todd and Ryder, do you feel the same? Yes. I just wanted to be like private life, interior mind, you know, and I love my parents. My parents are awesome, but still I'm like very measured in what what I tell them. Um, And they're listening to this and they're like, what?
0: There Uh, there was a lot of stuff about my childhood that my mom didn't know about until it was printed in the Los Angeles Times, you know? <laughs> so, yes. you know, like, there there were, there were was more than one instance where I would get a call from my mom that she'd read something, I'd written some essay somewhere, and she'd be like, why didn't you tell me that you went to Europe? <laughs> I was like, well, didn't yeah. seem like an important thing to let you know about at the time that when I said I was in Tahoe, I was really in France.
2: <laughs> but I guess I would love to ask the students, you know, do you feel like this constantly being in touch creates or alleviates more anxiety mm. on mm. both ends
4: I think because I am so close with my parents that constantly being in touch with them is nice because I know that mm. if anything were to happen mm-hmm. I'd be able to contact them and have someone that I trust and that will keep me safe Like literally give their life to keep me safe It right. it alleviates some of the anxiety yeah. of Being Like starting to become older and explore and hang out with friends on my own. Right. I know that because I am still so young and because I am still close with my parents that if I do need someone, like an adult that I can trust to come in and help me, I have that option.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Something that I'm curious about, um, and I think it has to do with this, do your parents know your interior life, do they know who you're hanging out with, Um, is also this idea of who you're supposed to be scared of. Um, Like, Mm. who might be coming for you? And, you know, I think what this book talks about a lot and what these other shootings have revealed is that you need to be scared of this guy right here, right? You need to be scared of a 17-year-old white male Mm. who seems otherwise fine. (laughs) (laughs) Aiden Um, seems great. Aiden,
4: Aiden seems, great. seems great. I do know Aiden, and he is great, but he does kind of fit exactly. <laughs> that, as yeah. As yeah. As I, was, I was thinking
3: that when <laughs> we were, while we were talking earlier, I was I was like uh, I, did, I, I
0: just I'm this the, guy. I'm, yeah. yeah. The profile. I, I am you the, the profile yeah. of
3: of Dylan and Eric. Yeah. yeah. So
0: like so, you guys won't we'll, maybe we'll take photos of the kids so you can see them. But <laughs> Aiden's about yeah. six foot tall, uh, athletic build, mm-hmm. wholesome, <laughs> seems very nice. <laughs> uh dead inside his eyes seem like
5: he's dead inside um (laughs) no but this is what i was saying earlier is that you know my identification in this book is most strongly with dylan and eric um because i was uh, that's that kid you know like i remember blowing shit up like trying you know building Mm -hmm. little bombs and crap when i was like 12 and 13 it kind of got boring by the time i was like Fourteen. I I the didn't do it but there was. Yeah, I mean, once, <laughs> once we killed a drifter, it was, you know, how much more excited could it get? Right. That's but, true. So true. No, but but you know, I I think that there was there was something there's something about uh, I think maleness in particular, but like male American '90s suburban angst that somehow did get channeled into. Uh, Power through blowing... Like, learning how to make bombs. Right. Like, that was a big obsession for me when I was, like, 11 and 12. Is like wait, you can, like, mix this and mix that and make a... Like, I totally did that. I did that with my friends. I discussed it with people. And then when the internet came around, it was like, what information can you get on the internet? And it was like, okay, well, obviously there's porn, which would take, like, a half an hour to download one photograph. Right. <laughs> so we were very, very limited. But we did but it. a text, we, you know a we text did file from it. the Anarchist but Cookbook, that, much quicker. Exactly. Much uh-huh. We downloaded the Anarchist Cookbook next. Right. That was, like, the next thing we did. And we never built anything from it, but we had it. And it was it was about power it was about access to the thing that adults were keeping from us and we're, were telling us we're, we, we weren't allowed to have yet and so it was like this this shortcut to power and, and and it made us feel like we were getting away with something but then also becoming more adult at the same time and I just find it you know and then of course you look at the video games that they were playing they were the same video games I played like doom like I remember and you think about why do we enjoy killing all these people even if they're aliens or robots or whatever they try and mask no it's about the violence it's about this feeling of like this rush this adrenaline rush um and so it's very disturbing how much when i reread this book to to realize like oh my god like there's a part of me a very big part of me even though i've never i've never even punched anybody in my life like there's a big part of me that clearly has the same brain as these kids or the same sort of cultural touch yeah i mean that
0: that's this thing though that that I'm constantly worried about or that I think about a lot, which is that this idea that young men are prone to do this thing because I remember being that young man. Like, I remember just like you, yeah. right? Or like, I don't remember harboring violent fantasies, but, you know, uh, I it's not like the stuff I wrote all these years has come out of nowhere. Like, this stuff has always been in my mind. So I was downloading the same right. stuff. So I guess I'm sort of curious for you, Aiden. Um, like, the challenge for, for Dylan and Eric is that they found each other. And... They didn't express whatever emotional issues they were having to one another. Um, and when you find out about these other school shooters, these young men, just like yourself, who go in and they shoot all their classmates, um, most of them are, are in some form a loner. No one else that they talk to. But then there's that, that level of, oh, we're not surprised that he was the guy that did this.
2: Wait. Yeah. I want to interrupt there because that, to me, is the primary myth that this book, bus.
0: Dispelled. So these guys weren't Yeah. yeah. And, these guys had a peer group.
2: And I, every, since reading this book, every other shooting, you know, every time somebody says Lone Wolf, I just go crazy because it's shorthand created by Columbine. Right. So I would, let's just strike that from your sentence. Well, there's the, Go the, on with your there's, question. There's the kids from
0: Newtown didn't have anybody. Um, he was He's the one that didn't have any peer group at all. Um, Keep going. Keep going but, with so, your question. So here's my question for you, Aiden. Do you feel, as a young man, comfortable talking to other young men about the things that might otherwise drive you crazy? How so? Crazy. Like if you were feeling, if you were feeling uh, sad or filled with angst or anger or rage, um, if you were upset about something that's happened to you that is beyond the normal things that happened in high school, something that had you so angry that you know, it sunk you into a deep depression. Could you talk to a friend about that?
3: Yes, I, I have. Uh, I have. I have many friends that I can talk to about that. Um, and I and my my dad, my mm-hmm. it, my dad would be able to notice that uh, I'm off, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he did. Uh, he did. He did notice. Him and my my mom did both notice when I was I was kind of. I was sad for a while back earlier this year. I was, mm-hmm. and, and they
0: pulled me aside and talked to me about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's great. Awesome. That's fantastic. Is it for, for, for you two, for Renaissance and for Jada, do you feel comfortable talking about these larger things with your peer group? Or, or is it something that you would only talk to your parents about? Or not your parents, your sisters? Or you're an only child Renaissance, <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit different for your you. Like, dog. Your dog. <laughs> like, yeah. So I'm, I'm She's just very thinking about so the, not good at this. Stay for the record. writer and Julie and I all have siblings that we're close with, and so whenever I had a, a really profound issue, um, I would always go to my my sister or my mm-hmm. brother, um, and it was easier to talk to them about the things that depressed me or troubled me than it was talking to my dumb friend, Greg, you know? Um, Because like my, and then of course it turns out your dumb friend, Greg, and I'm just, Greg, if you're listening, it's not you specifically. (laughs) I could have just said any name, Jack, Steve, whatever. That they had the same issues too, but I think when you're a 16 year old boy, you're somewhat reticent to talk to other 16 year old boys about, you know, painful things. So who who do you guys talk to? Do you talk to your friends or your family?
4: I definitely talk to my mother because we are each other's best friend. I mean, it's just the truth. But when there's something where I know that she like, sees the other side and that she loves me and she's gonna like instantly gonna try and make me feel better. I do have a friend that I've known since preschool. Like my memory does not include her. That's Mm -hmm. how I've known each other. And so she's definitely the person I'll go to when I need someone who's kind of like a sister who can like currently relate to the situation that I'm in and i can talk to without judging me or i know i can tell her it won't go anywhere else mm.
6: then i definitely have people that i can talk mm. to
0: what about for you jaden um
6: for when it, when it comes to my family i'd say I rant to my parents more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I, like, I had a bad day at practice. I'll go home and just go off about That's how... That's so real. Yeah. <laughs> about how frustrating everything was at, like, school and practice. Uh-huh. And then when it comes to my siblings, uh, my older siblings don't live with us because they're older. Then my younger sister, she's in seventh grade, and she's, she's, she's very, like, snappy, so she's not, like, <laughs> the best person to go to about stuff. <laughs> and so... I guess that like leaves it with friends. And I go to probably my best friend just to talk about just like everyday stuff that is, like let's say I had a bad day, I'll go in and like talk to her about it and she'll make mm-hmm. me feel better. But I don't think I have a large group of people to go back to because most of the people I hang out mm-hmm. with are just my acquaintances. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. I don't really right. want to form like bonds past that. Like, Unless I they come know.
0: with a gun and then you want them to yeah, really care yeah. about you. <laughs> yeah. So this is the key, Jada, is that if someone comes in with a shotgun, Todd. you want to remind them how much they love you. Todd, <laughs>
2: Todd yeah, reel it back.
6: Like that. Sorry.
0: I like <laughs> want them to stay alive. <laughs> make closer friends, Jada. They'll spare you.
6: Yeah I, guess, yeah, I need to make closer friends so I can talk to more people. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when it comes to that, like bad things that are going on, I'll go to my closest friends,
5: not so much my family.
1: Yeah.
5: Um, so I have a question. Um, what, besides like, I mean, there's obvious things like cell phones and, you know, pagers and and technological differences between this high school (laughs) experience described in this book and your high school experience. But I'm wondering like culturally, social, socially, like the way the kids talk to each other, the way the kids think about these things. I mean, did, did this seem like a, a foreign country? Like, or was this, was 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 columbine as a high school similar to your experience of high school socially Hmm. and like with with within peer group
3: it was it was very similar uh especially especially with how they when eric and and um i don't know if dylan was there they were at the at the lunch tables Mm -hmm. and they would and the eric's friends would uh call kids names Mm -hmm. and everything like that and bully them and that 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 is very prominent still? still mm-hmm. yes wow.
0: okay what about for you Renaissance? Um,
4: I think th- they are very similar I think the only difference that like really is highlighted is the fact that kids weren't able to contact their parents right away mm-hmm. like when I was reading that I was like I couldn't imagine not having any connection to telling my parents that I was injured or okay either way right. Because even now, when um, with the shooting that happened in Florida, there were kids who were like live texting their parents what was going on, saying either I love you and this is it, or I'm safe and I'm going to be stuck in a closet for four hours. Right. And so that part is what really separated me from Columbine because I just don't want to think about not being able to talk to my parents. But when it comes to when it, like before the shooting and the relationship that Dylan and Eric had with the kids or um, even just the campus culture in general was very similar still.
0: The, mm-hmm. You know, the, the interesting. F- interesting thing for me, though, just in hearing you talk about this Renaissance is that, you know, mm-hmm. when we started, you identified yourself as, uh, as bisexual. Mm-hmm. In 1999, at a high school in America, if you had said you were bisexual, You're you <laughs> would have been set on fire. That (laughs) part
4: was different, especially when it came to talking about the large evangelical community. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm quite thankful that there is, like, Mm -hmm. um, uh, also, like, a religious spectrum Mm -hmm. at my school. So, like, some people might not care. But there's also a vast majority of kids who are in favor of, are either allies or a part of the LGBT plus community Mm -hmm. that... Mm. If someone tried to come at any me or right. anyone else, it wouldn't fly at all. Yeah mm-hmm. see that,
0: I think that's a, a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know e- Everyone that I was in high school with that was gay. Of course we knew that they were gay um, but they would never come out, never.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, w- it wasn't until 10 years later, like after they'd gone mm-hmm. to college that they would admit it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's you know that's difference between 1989 and 1999 and mm-hmm. 2018. Um, mm-hmm. You
4: know, it's, it's yeah. huge. And, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I came out in um, 2015 to my mom, and it was about six months after they legalized gay marriage because mm-hmm. I'd kind of known a bit before then, but I was like, I'm not going to do anything of like, and I knew it was in the works, like it's about right. to be passed and everything. And so. I was in middle school at the time, and even though it was maybe a more progressive time, middle schoolers are incredibly immature, and right. I would heard kids being made fun of for coming out. Mm-hmm. And it did scare me to like come out to my peers, but at the same time, which I think is a difference between the culture of Columbine and now, is that if someone now, like if you came out at the time of Columbine and someone bullied you for it, then more people would turn the blind eye. Right. But if something like that yeah. happened to me when I came out in 2015 or even now and someone attacked me for it, it would spread but right. negatively against the person
6: right. people against like me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a huge yeah. difference. God. Mm. What about Fuji yeah, That's yeah.
6: Um for one thing that really stuck out to me was the how he said that they were shooting colored kids Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how I don't remember his name right now, but one of the kids that Craig was under the table with, they looked at him and realized that he was African American and they shot him. And that part like really stuck out to me because me being African American, that could have been me. And that could have just been one of the kids who's extremely towards white supremacy at my Mm -hmm. school, who just wasn't able to talk about like talk about their beliefs with other people. So they were just so done and they used their anger out on me or, like, in this case, that boy in this book. And, yeah, that's what I kind of Yeah, realized. I mean, mm-hmm. it,
0: it, what you guys are talking about a little bit, too, uh, as it relates to what Renaissance is talking about, is the prevalence also of online communities, right? Like, you feel mm-hmm. safer in the world today because whatever you're into, the Internet has shown that there's a million other people that are into that mm-hmm. thing, too. So even if you're at school and some bad stuff is happening or someone doesn't agree with you, you know that there's a larger community behind you. But that
5: also goes both ways, right? right. So, so yeah. the alt right has a huge, right. sense of community. Right, that strengthens them just as much. They should ch- march. Oh, <laughs> oh God!
0: Christ. Um,
5: um so, I have another question if I can. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, like I said earlier, you know, I was trying to to to, to frame this book in the context of. School shootings in general now, because I think the first time I read it, school shootings had dropped off for a while. It seemed like they weren't happening as much, but now they're happening so much. So I was wondering if, if if each of you could could describe, if you can, how reading this book did it change or add or uh, subtract anything from your conception of what a school shooting is or how you think of school shootings.
6: So. Before reading this book, I was really passionate about school shootings and how I feel like there's honestly nothing being done. Mm -hmm. And in fact, like Renaissance and I both spoke out about it a while ago, and we got to go and watch a lockdown be orchestrated at our school and got to like sit at different parts of the school and watch where our weak points were and then talk about Mm -hmm. it with administration. So that was probably a few months ago, like January before we read the book. And And before
0: Parkland. No, no, right after. Oh, right after, this okay. was,
6: Yeah, so maybe not. It was like two days after. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And okay. so I t- we got to talk to our principal about it, and we got to go and explain how we feel like we're weak in this part and how we could be better in this part. And still nothing that we really wrote down has been done about it. Yeah, we had one lockdown. I feel like they wanted me to get my anger out of that like just be like okay here's your lockdown and now you can go back to school because nothing's been done that we recommended Mm -hmm. and then so I feel like this book gave me more it it lit my fire again because I was like if they're gonna go and just Mm -hmm. leave me to the side like there's going to be more and I can't just stop here and I need to keep going and reading this book it helped me like realize like I need to keep going no matter how many people are gonna like try and blow down my fire.
2: Well one thing that's amazing about Parkland and you know I I this is a pet peeve of mine but people so often after every shooting of any type are like well if we didn't do anything after Sandy Hook we're not going to do anything ever Um, but the Parkland kids were amazing because of something are amazing um, because of something that you're talking about Jada which is really depressing which is like you're ready for this you've imagined this you have a plan even if it's, you know, mm-hmm. basic. I when this when Columbine happened, like there was no there was no nothing, plan. Nothing. Um not even a plan enough to like get in the school fast enough to save people, which is so upsetting to read about. So I mean, it's wonderful that like I love teens. I think teens particularly, like, teen girls of color. It's like, could you be further at the bottom of the social pile? But (laughs) And I say that with absolute, like, empathy. Mm -hmm. But, like, please lead us. Like, I think there's a, a place that adults who are older, even older than the three of us, are just like, we don't know what to do, so please tell us. So the fact that you're working on that and so passionate is, like, the best possible result that could come out of you reading this book or any any historic tragedy.
0: I think, you know, I, we said this before on the show, but like the three of you who have been raised on dystopian YA novels, like you guys are so prepared. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I think we just have expectations. Yeah, like
0: I, I grew up reading horror novels where there was a scary clown, and like that prepared me to run. But you guys are like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna band together we get eight really good-looking people, and we're going to fight. We're going to take down Panem. Like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you can also do that. Like, the three of us are just, like, doughy, sad. Oh, you guys are ready to fight the resistance for us, which is great, because I get really tired. <laughs> but, I,
2: I, yeah, but I in seriousness, I, I agree with that. But also in seriousness, like, it's a criticism towards ourselves, too. It's like, I'm... Not even thirty-five, and it's like, have I given up? Am I like, you know, asking people younger than me to fix the world that I hopefully will live in for a really long time? Like, we all have to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Is how I feel.
0: Yeah. What about uh, for the the other two of you? Did, did this change your view on uh, on shootings in general, Aiden?
3: It made it more personal. Just like how seeing the videos of uh, the Florida, the recent Florida shooting. Mm-hmm that it, it made it way more personal than um, just hearing about it on the news or right. something like that.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I say I agree with Jada that it kind of sparked my fire. I had the privilege to speak at the March for Our Lives on March 24th. And so cool. between talking to the administration and security with Jada, doing that, and reading this book, and continuing to go to school and, like, Following people like Emma Gonzalez, mm-hmm. who are student leaders in this, I movement. wish she was my mom. <laughs> I wish, like, I just want her to like. I just when can look we up vote to her. For her? <laughs> no, <laughs> soon. I hope she puts me in I her hope. cabinet. Is all I can say. But um, yeah, d- things like that have really sparked my fire. <clears throat> and I'm a teacher's kid as well. I've grown up in the school system. My mom is still a teacher, and so I understand that like even though I have a look on the inside of how um, district and administration is reacting to these things, they keep students who are really trying to be the leaders of this movement out, right. and it does make us feel like we're being pushed aside when essentially like it's happening to places that we consider home, and it's really frustrating, but it only makes me more passionate.
0: Um, one thing I'm curious about, and we should probably uh, end the show shortly with, uh, with your teacher here since, um, You guys got homework and it's a school Um, is, you know, you, you read this book and you saw all these lives that were snuffed out so easily. Um, Do you guys know what you want to do with the rest of your lives? Like, does reading a book like this make you say to yourself, like, I got to make some decisions about who I'm going to be because it can end or does it not matter? Can you just still be kids? No, Renaissance uh, says no. no. Renaissance, <laughs> Renaissance, shakes her head, which is not great radio. So, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Renaissance is like, I want to be a mime. Yeah, <laughs> it's like,
4: no. What
0: do you What do you want to do? What do you want to be?
4: Um, I hopefully I want to double major in French and Spanish with mm-hmm. a minor in political science and continue on through that and work for the UN or the EU. If they like, exist, yeah, yeah with um, human rights and activism and civil right. rights and things like when, that. When do you turn eighteen? I turn eighteen next year. In March. Next year,
0: yeah. Oh, God. Also, we need you to move to Iowa. Uh, <laughs> Aiden, what, what about you? Um, the I before
3: I read the book, I was or I was before then even I I wanted to be an engineer, right? right. Uh, and then. Recently, this year, I tried. I, I've been looking at other options as, in, like, I I feel like I had, I hadn't. I as an engineer, I couldn't do much to like help people. Mm-hmm. Which hmm. then reading this made me even more so want to be able to reach out and help people more.
0: Hmm. That's awesome, Jada. Mm-hmm.
6: Okay, so for a while I wanted to be president, and yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, you're I, gonna
0: have to fight Renaissance over here. <laughs> <laughs> we can run together, okay? <laughs> and we
6: can go yeah. back to back. Yeah. That's fine. So that was for that was like my idea for a while, and I wanted to go and major in political science and then minor in probably French and biology. And, uh-huh. yeah. you
5: guys so, are yeah. we're gonna run together God. Yeah,
0: the, the three um. of you by the way like when I was 16 you know what I wanted to do what? nothing <laughs> <Right> <laughs> well, I now? wanted to go to Noggles <laughs> which is a fast food restaurant that doesn't exist anymore sorry go ahead <laughs>
6: um, but now I don't know I feel like the need over the past years of like probably 7th grade to now I've realized that the need for teachers is mm-hmm. really really strong and good teachers mm-hmm. and I think I could be a good teacher if mm-hmm. I really wanted to be. So that's probably been, like, another thing that's been in the back of my mind. So either a teacher or president.
0: <laughs> wow. Awesome. Wow.
2: I want to I wanna say one thing.
6: So, first of all,
2: Todd, that question made you sound
0: 75 <laughs> years old. I've so never eight. felt more in tune with peeing on myself. I what understand. crazy music, you
5: kids listening get to off, these kids, days. Get off my lawn be?
2: <laughs> But I... I just want to say to you guys and to anyone listening, and this is, let me just say that I live in a small city. I live in Hartford, Connecticut, um, but surrounded, I live in New England, so surrounded by big, big cities where people go to get famous, New York, Boston, D.C. Um, And I just, I would be so happy if you guys ended up in politics or teaching or anything, but we need good people in every profession. This isn't like a profession thing. This is like a culture change. So you can help people, you know, wherever you end up. And I think honestly, where some of these changes have to happen are in rooms that like I might never be in. You know what I mean? Like a room full of engineers thinking about how, or let's say architects thinking about how to design a building that's safer. We need that you know, a room full of people who just call each other out on their weird shit. We really yeah. need that, you know, and I don't say that to, like, be annoying and give you advice, even though I'm <laughs> Thank probably you, doing Mom. that, um, but to this kind of relieve some of the pressure. Yeah.
0: Came on this podcast to yeah, be cool to... people.
2: <laughs> but to relieve the pressure to say, like, you know, you you're probably going to end up doing a lot of different things. And being awesome and being, like, a contributor to society, uh, I swear, I know people in my life right now who would never call themselves an activist, but the way that they treat people and the way that they, like, go about the world and think and listen, really, is yeah. we need them. We need them everywhere. So do whatever you want. You're going to be awesome. Being
0: Beyonce would be pretty cool. Oh, my mm. god! Yeah. I wish. All, There's all, only one. Do we all agree There's that only one, Beyonce could, would be awesome? Ryder, could you be you can be Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah, I, 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 I could be Beyonce. Um, so, thank you guys so much for yes. being on the show. Thank, thank you, thank you, you Jada. Thank you, you, Renaissance. Thank, thank you, you, thank you Aiden. Yes. Um, thank you, guys, for being so smart and intelligent and articulate and um, reading to, willing to read a book outside <laughs> of school. is very nice. <laughs> so awesome. Um,
2: Todd, another change is that nerds are cool now, so they right. like reading. That's,
0: can, that's a good point just um, because you the, have
2: to pretend not to doesn't mean <laughs> <laughs> well
0: so this is my other point is that so I grew up here um, in this little small town where all of us live um, and I thought I was the only one who felt the way that I felt when I was 17 years old that read books and and um, thought deep thoughts um, so I am so excited and happy that you guys know each other um, and that you are thinking these things and it, it thrills me um, for this place where we live Uh, This place that we call home, that you guys are here, so I appreciate you guys.